Welcome to Look Mum, No Hands. We have an amazing show today, exploring those scary choices life presents through the lived experience of our guests. Many of you will recognise that incessant whisper in your ear, tugging you to change your life, squaring up for the big jump. Whether it's career, life, family or love, there's that saying, if you're unwilling to be a foolish beginner, you will never improve. Or as I say, a life lived in fear is only half a life. Hello and welcome to another episode with myself, Daniel Com- No. Not myself, Daniel Confino. <laughs> Him, Daniel Confino. Have I, got that, have I got that much in your head already, Sarah, that you can't <laughs> tell the difference? Myself, Sarah Sharman, and our guest, Charles Castronovo. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us. Great this pleasure. Is an absolute delight. And uh, we're going to discover who you are. Okay. And uh, as the show mentions, the risks that you may have faced, overcome, or maybe even avoided. Yes. Yeah, a little bit of everything, I think. Now, I'm at a disadvantage here because you two know each other because you're live on stage every other night. That's at right. Royal Opera House. <laughs> yes, but when the show's on, there's... So I'm, there's I'm, I'm the gooseberry here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, we, we rarely see each other on stage, yeah, because uh, we're just always, in, you know, moving around in different she's, places. She's so. ghost, right? Yes, yes, yes. What, what role do you play? I'm playing the role of Don Ottavio, which is what I call the the nice guy. Uh, let's say in modern terms, he's a bit of a of a simp in a way because he's very uh, well. Let's say his uh, fiance Donna Anna is uh, having some problems committing completely. You know, she doesn't want to commit to the date that they'll be married, and he's following her around. Well, of course, her father was murdered in front of her, so that kind of puts a uh, a problem into the situation. But uh, he's a very faithful, very honorable kind of gentleman. Uh, which is very wonderful, but at the same time, in the in the work itself, it leaves his character sometimes to look a bit like a wet noodle. So I, I try some different things with the character to give him a little bit more backbone, and I think it's more interesting that way. <laughs> when you walk off stage, do you carry any of the character you've been performing with you do you are you back to charles or yeah, you i'm definitely you back dog? to myself i'm back to charlie but uh, i think uh, i definitely learned something from each role i'm um, without you know sounding too you know a uh, drama actor kind of thing no uh, i would say that i do that because uh, they're real characters really uh, they're very human uh, you know even when they're fantastic if you're playing a god or uh, whatever um, they have very human characteristics so I always take something interesting sometimes knowing what not to do from these characters so yeah I, I find it very real mm. yeah. and how did you side on becoming an opera singer yeah well it was a bit of a decision and a bit uh, a bit of uh, destiny i think um i always was from when i was a child my father and my mother said you know if we were at a party with friends and family if you put on some michael jackson or disco or whatever i would always dance no problem i guess i could dance very well when i was a kid i had good rhythm and uh, so they would do it just for fun to watch the you know the six-year-old you know do michael jackson moves or whatever and uh, and then a little bit later i was always in the plays in school in the drama class and everything. But it wasn't until about like 14 years old when I discovered rock and roll. I love rock and roll, especially classic rock. I'm a huge 
uh, Led Zeppelin fan, uh, Beatles, all the classics. And uh, so I picked up a guitar. I, I asked my father, I said, please, I want a guitar. And so I saved up about 60 bucks and he paid about uh, 80 bucks and I got a cheap acoustic guitar. And I learned how to play and just uh, started singing and playing. And I found that uh, I just had that talent, you know. And then when I was about uh, 16 years old, I was playing uh, during lunch um, at school, singing some Beatles songs with a friend. And the choir teacher heard me and said, hey, you know, you have a good voice. Why don't you join choir? And I said, no, 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 no. I want to be an, a rock star. I don't want to be in choir. She was a very, very clever woman. And she said, uh, well, you know, in choir, there's like 50 girls and like only six boys. You know, and I, you know, exactly. She exactly. You know, so she she knew what she was doing, and so I did the math in my head real quick, and I thought, well, I like the odds of that, so I joined <laughs> choir. And actually, when I was there, though, I was very happy because um, I was singing harmony. It was like a Beatles song, you know, singing in three, four part harmony. It was great, and um, to be honest, I was in three different rock bands, you know, in uh, that time period, and I could sing the rock stuff, but. It wasn't, it didn't have the grit, you know, it didn't have this kind of earthy thing. But when I was singing classical music, it, I could just mimic it very well. And, you know, then the reaction was very good. And I thought, maybe there's something to this. And then I heard opera for the first time, super passionate, dramatic. And I thought, well, this is kind of the rock and roll of classical music. You know, it's got that, that kind of sex appeal to it, you know. And, I, and after that, I said, that's it, I'm going to be an opera singer. And that was it. It was finished. Amazing. So you were sort of self-discovered. Because we yeah. interviewed other people who, from the age of two and a half, were sort of taken yeah. know, <laughs> every week or more than once a week to do something, and, and they ended up being quite good at it. But yeah. you, you can pick it up late in life, can you, singing? Yeah, because, I think uh, so. It's not like training your vocal cords from a young age to, well, to especially, have any chance to be it, an opera singer. Exactly. Especially for men, you have to wait till you, you hit puberty anyway, because you never know. Some, some kids, uh, for example, are wonderful boy sopranos, for example, and they're in choir and they sound beautiful. Then they go through puberty and they have no voice later or no voice that is you know people want to pay to hear sometimes it's like that you never know so for me it had to be after that point anyway and so i knew i was a tenor because i was always singing the top line of the harmony of beatles songs so i was already in the tenor section and uh you know when you hear this tenor music it's you know romantic and dramatic and i thought yeah, that's it. That's what I want to do. I must admit, there have been times when you're the opposite side of the wall to me. Mm -hmm. And I put my ear in the gap just to listen. <laughs> and I'm like, this is probably the closest I'm going to get to my own, wow, what I feel is my own personal performance. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's nice when you're close up. You f It's a different kind of viral feeling. You know, yeah. it's different. Yeah, that's great. Charles, I, uh, just to satisfy my you know, curiosity, I, I think I've got a sixth sense. Yes. Do you play your music at home on vinyl records? Oh, I love vinyl. Ah, yes. yes, I love vinyl. <laughs> well, see, listen, you know, <laughs> I mean, I know we're in a modern age here. I know it's coming back also. I know it's coming back into fashion too. People like vinyl. But when I was a kid, we had only vinyl. So, you know, when I remember, I, I, you know. I had a vision of you holding, you know, one oh, or two of those albums when you, when you referenced them. Oh, my. I still I, have I, my I Zeppelin could, albums. I could see you holding the Led Zeppelin Oh, album. I still have them, I yeah. I the cover myself. Now, I was born in 75. So, of course, yeah. it was already past my time period when that music came out, of course. But for me, that's what I love. My father liked kind of classic uh, you know stuff of course I grew up in the some of the 80s and I love all that stuff but even at that point still you know we were buying vinyl and then it went to tapes you know and then making all the mixtapes and everything yeah. but yeah I definitely vinyl was the first thing for me yeah, yeah. yeah. so look you're, you're, like I said you're sort of self-discovered you kind of your voyage was through rock and then realizing that you actually preferred or had a greater skill yes so 
where does that, where's the, the point, the turning point in your life where you sort of, I mean, did you, what was the alternative life that you were going to lead? You went to university, you studied. Uh, I, I did study music, but only for a year. I right. actually hated school. Right. So, was there anything at school for you? Uh, no, you know, the only thing that was positive for me was my voice teacher, because uh, to be honest, I, I didn't do great in high school. I mean, I've, I graduated, but, you know, I couldn't be bothered. I only cared about music and, and my friends, and I liked history. But besides that, that was about it. So I did pass, of course, and I graduated, but not with anything amazing, you know, amazing grades or marks. So I didn't have a lot of prospects for going to university, uh, some amazing place. But I thought, well, I need to do some auditioning to study uh, music. Let's see what happens. So I did some of the state schools in California. I grew up in L.A. area. And, uh, you know, I, I auditioned at uh, Cal State Los Angeles, Cal State Long Beach, Cal State blah, 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 blah. And uh, I also um, auditioned at Cal State uh, Fullerton, which is now quite a huge school. It's it's. I mean, because it's um, what they call their um, really a commuter school, but it's grown and it's and it's enormous school. Anyway, um, my teacher there was a tenor. So if I decided to go there, I would be studying with a tenor. And my my uh, instinct was that I need to study with a tenor because tenor the tenor voice is very strange. It's not quite normal. So I thought I need to have another tenor who will understand, you know. So I was actually offered a... Um, you know, normal scholarship in all those places. And they were willing to overlook my bad grades <laughs> if I would come study there. So I ended up in Fullerton, went for a year, loved my teacher, had a lot of lessons. But as I was there, I realized I'm walking around literally. I'm like obsessed with opera. So I'm walking around every day with a score, with my headphones in, you know, big headphones, uh, listening um, uh, to operas and learning these operas. All my colleagues, uh, all my peers in school, they said, oh, we want to be opera singers. No one, I mean, they knew Magic Flute and I don't know, uh, just nothing. And I, I was listening to crazy, you know, Donizetti operas that, you know, are rarely done. And I thought, I don't think I'm in the right place, you know, and I felt wrong. There wasn't, there wasn't enough commitment. Yeah, I, I thought I need to be around people who are way better than me for me to, to, to get better. You know, yeah. and uh, not that I was the best immediately, but I could see that I was working on a different level in yeah. my mind. So after one year, I asked my, I told my teacher, I said, I can't stay in school anymore. So he said, well, he was great. He said, well, it's not for everyone. Uh, this was one of those times where I took a chance, you know, and I was very scared because a lot of people said, if you don't get your degree, you know, you're not going to be able to work and da, 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 you know, you'll never have a career. And uh, I was actually pretty scared, but I said, you know what? No, I'm going to make it. So I told my teacher and he said, we'll keep working privately. And he says, but what you're going to miss in school, you need to get yourself. So that's about, you know, the, s the styles, you know, you there's completely different style, Italian style, you know, uh, Verismo, Bel Canto, French style, German, you know, everything. Uh, languages, the everything, the history of it, you're going to need to do yourself. And that's what I did. I just studied myself and I focused on what I needed. So, yeah, I couldn't play piano too well. I didn't take the piano class. I didn't take the theory too much. But if you bury your head in enough scores while you're listening, you learn how to read music. And I read music quite well. Now, I don't play piano so great, but I can play. And uh, I did it that way. And before I really even started, I knew so many roles already and later when i actually had to perform them it was basically just memorizing the words because i knew the roles i knew how they went i knew how the whole opera went so that was a big kind of risk i took i auditioned in la opera and uh, almost immediately they started giving me small roles so i sang a few lines here in this opera but i was in a professional opera house with professional singers 
some great ones. My first opera I ever did, I sang about 12 lines uh, in an opera that starred Placido Domingo. So he was sang in L Los Angeles opera a lot. So there I was, like a year and a half later, on the stage. I was going to ask you actually when you were walking around listening in your headphones. Yeah. Uh, apart from you know, listening to a wide range of opera yes. styles, were yeah. there any particular heroes, models that you were sort of thinking, wow, you know, that's, uh, yeah. I see myself, like, project <laughs> your career yeah. and somebody that you could see. Oh, you know, yeah, for sure. That you wanted to adopt. Anyone in particular? Yeah, I would say Domingo was the first kind of ideal for me because he was such um, uh, a, 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 a kind of singer who sang, you know, hundreds of roles, hundreds. He didn't stick to, you know, his, you know, perfect 20 roles that fit him well. He sang everything. And I always wanted to do that because I had a passion for German art song, you know, Schubert and, you know, dramatic opera, French opera, this and that. So I wanted to make sure I could do a bit of everything. So he was a big, um, you know, kind of hero for me. And also he sang at LA Opera. He was involved with LA Opera a lot. And that's where I started. So I actually saw him the most. You know, I met Pavarotti later in New York. and But uh, f at first it was definitely Domingo. Then I started disc to discover the old singers from everything from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And then, you know, it opened up a whole new thing. Well, uh, <clears throat> You're racing through your career. Yes, so I, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we, we always pride ourselves on not being too chronological. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to sort of reverse you up a little bit. Yes. Just try to understand the motivation, what was in your head. Do, do you think the attraction of the world of opera was, and, and because you, you were so dedicated to it that you, you allowed all the other academic stuff just to go, you know, slip, really? Yes. Because you, you were so fixed on what you wanted to do. Or did you, that's one way of looking at it. The other way is you weren't that great. <laughs> Yes. All this other stuff. Oh, for so sure. Opera looked like a good choice and not that, not madly risky as it might be for somebody that could have been a great, you know, doctor or lawyer yes, yeah. or whatever with a safe career. You, you, I'm trying to yeah. come back to the risk thing, how, sure. you, how you saw yourself and whether you were the, the guy that was so committed to this that, that everything else just laser focused, that yeah. everything else just dropped away. Well, how, how do you see, looking back, what, what was going on? Here? If I'm really honest with myself, uh, um, I would say that I was always an artistic type of child you know in person personality or whatever you want to call it and so i always felt i was heading that way somewhere you know um that for me was something that i knew uh i'll always but i didn't know exactly what it was but i tell you i mean uh, i have two sons and you know when they bring home some math and i'm like oh, i'm sorry son i can do everything for you except for math i mean i'm really bad with that kind of thing you know and uh i didn't have uh, the the guidance, uh, you know, my father was amazing, for example, but, uh, you know, he was also old school. He came from Sicily when he was 16 to America. And, you know, at that time still, my mother came from Ecuador when she was 16. Uh, English wasn't their first language. And, you know, they were old school. Like, they, they weren't too involved. We, we didn't have the helicopter parents that we have nowadays, you know, which, you know, you can understand why, but it was different. So no one made sure I did my homework. And trust me, I didn't care about it. It just was the last thing for me. It, I was always weak in that part of it. Because you were listening to, you know, Yeah, I was, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I was always... Just to see what the other thing was. Yeah, I was drawing. I was yeah. listening to music. I was trying to learn an instrument or something like that. So for me, it was just the most important thing. And I knew I wasn't good at some other things. Right. Uh, so for me, it, it was not even a choice, really. Um, I just stuck with uh, what I had a passion for and I knew I was good at. We, we sometimes try and 
use the word calling. Yeah. You know, yes. Something that nags you. That's in the introduction. I, re I refer to that yes. incessant whispering in your yes. ear. Yes. You, uh, did that? Did you? Oh, you for sure. That, did that? Hundred percent. Resonate for you? Absolutely. That that was a big thing for me. I didn't know exactly where it was going to fall. I wouldn't have guessed opera. You know, my father's from Italy, but there are no singers in, in from my family. There are no musicians from my family at all. So it was kind of a fluke that it happened. My father, when I told him I want to be an opera singer, he said to me, "Can you make money that way?" <laughs> like he literally had no idea. Even though he comes from Italia, you know, he's like, oh, "Can you make money that way?" I'm like, "If you're good, yeah." yeah as with most things, if you're at the top of the game, right? Yeah. So he, they were. Um, supportive anyway, but they didn't know anything about it, you know. What did he do? My father was a forklift driver in a giant uh, factory or let's say the warehouse for Ralph's Grocery. So Ralph's is a big one in America. And, you know, so he would load the giant trucks to bring to all the stores and he became a foreman and he was you know, but he was manual labor basically his whole life, you know. He, he uh, kept us clothed and fed and so it was great. I, I mean, I have a lot of respect for him. When he landed in America, he came just with my grandfather and my grandfather had a sister already in America she was married and they moved to America so they came they arrived they ate dinner uh, that night uh, in California first then the next day my father started working in an Italian restaurant washing dishes and he didn't stop working until he retired and then after he retired, he took about three months and he said I'm so bored and then he got a job like at a hotel you know uh, where they, well, convention center hotel, where he was telling people, "You are in this room," and that you know, you're. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he couldn't sit at home. What, what's interesting crazy. about your story so far, Charles? Is that one of the things we say in our little blurb somewhere yeah. is that a lot of people think that they're very successful, famous people. Uh. They had, they had money, uh. they had family connections, you know, they had uh. all the all the kind of God given opportunities. And I think what we're experiencing as we go through this interview process is actually no, this is people often who had none of those things who yeah. just hard work, yeah. the dedication, the calling, uh, the, yeah. the, 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 that following that, that incessant whisper in their ear because they know. Yes. I'm still struggling to understand whether you let your other Charles drop or whether you just, <laughs> it never was there. I, 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 th <laughs> I, think, I think I could have been better in school, for example. When I concentrate on something, I can do it. But yeah, I, I, I let it drop because yeah. I, I just thought, no I, no, I don't want it. I, I know what I want. Yeah. I, I will make it or... I don't know what I'm going to do. And even to this day, you know, if I think if, if I lost my voice, maybe I could teach now with all my experience, but I think, well, there's not really much else I can do, really. Yeah. You know, or at least I can't imagine that now, for yeah. sure. Okay, so that's, that's really helpful in understanding how you yeah. get launched in, in this way and what, yeah. what was going on in your head. Yes, you know, yes, yeah. How you were not listening to the siren calls <laughs> of a forklift truck driver. Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm definitely not an academic. Yeah. You I'm too. a performer through and through. Yeah. But then, that, I mean, my background's musical theatre, so mm -hmm. I trained in dance. Oh, yeah. So I love the physicality. Yes. I like using my body. Yes. And I knew from the age of 11, I was just going to yeah. be in performing arts. Yeah. It was just it was I was like, well, inevitable. Yeah. I'm not going to cure any diseases. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, be doing equations every yeah. day. Yeah. So, yeah, not that I didn't work hard academically at school, but I knew... Like, as soon as I've yeah. done my GCSEs, right. I'm not going to stay on three levels. Yeah, yeah. No. no, no. I'd actually say to my parents, oh, there's this summer school happening. Yes. Can I go? Yes. And I think I've had, like, little jobs from the age of 12. So mm -hmm. if I've earned money, I'd be like, oh, I'm buying myself these shoes. Yeah, or, right. Like, the CDs so I can listen to and go over <laughs> and over and over again. Exactly. And just, I think yeah. that's, that's the that's best. A, that's a common theme, that the, yeah. you know, the people that achieve 
fame and greatness, whatever, are uncompromising people. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they're not prepared to be diverted by little baubles, you know, yeah. that they see at the side, you yeah. know. Even big things sometimes. Even big <laughs> yeah. Has, has, has right. anything been dangled in your way that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a bit of a distraction? Yeah, for, for sure. Actually, when I was uh, 21, so I was, um, you know, right in the middle of, I had uh, left school and now starting uh, to audition and do any little competition I could. And this was just before I started at LA Opera. So it was like a little mi middle period between leaving school and that. Um, I um, surprisingly discovered that my girlfriend uh, was pregnant. And at 21 years old, uh, I had a son. Uh, and who is now 25 years old. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, just about 25, yeah. And um, I mean, I remember being scared shitless, really. You know, I was really scared. And uh, so was she, it was uh, not planned. And, uh, but of course I said, okay, so what should we do? And we said, okay, let's, let's try to do this. And um, we, once he was born, of course it was amazing and everything, but of us together, we were so young. It was so stressful. You were 21. We didn't, I was 21, she was 21 also. And um, so we were together about two years until he was about two years old. Uh, and then it, it just didn't work, it was really bad. And uh, my parents were divorced when I was young and I just thought I, I can't, you know, I can't live, that would be very bad, you know, cause I remember what it's like. And so of course we had a very close relationship. And at first it was great because I still lived in California. You know, I saw him like five times a week, it was all constantly, and she was living with her parents and so but we had lived together for about two years and anyway and then I started working at LA Opera I was very busy and then um, it was it was it was very difficult but um, I I thought to myself well you know no matter what happens I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a super close I guess it's you know it depends on the person but for me it's like okay I have a son so that means uh, I must put everything I can into it. But I, th I was also practical in a way that I said, if I, if I change my path of my career, I don't know if I'll have anything to provide to him because of you know how I felt I developed myself in other ways. So I kept on it, even if it meant that um, I started seeing him less for a while, because then I moved to New York yeah. and I was flying back and forth. Just, just to understand that, yeah. you've been booked well in, a, in advance. Well, that was so the so very so beginning. So you just, well, of course, you would have yeah. had nine months to work out. Or yeah, maybe yeah. you had something coming, but uh, even then. Yeah, at that point, I was... A bit steady in LA Opera. So I was like kind of um, like part of the ensemble there, resident, yeah. So that was okay at the beginning. But then uh, once him and his uh, and his mom and I split, uh, then then it was a little, it started to be more difficult. Then I moved to New York and then I was literally going back and forth. And I remember every time I would come home to LA to see my parents. So uh, then she moved to Sacramento, which is an hour flight from LA. Um, and she got married, and actually he was a great guy, her husband, and, and he had two kids, and and uh, my son, Filippo, uh, started living in a really good place. I was very happy, you know, it was a very family-like thing and very steady, and but because he couldn't fly alone yet, you know, he was still four or five, so I would fly from L.A., fly to Sacramento, it was an hour flight, she would meet me at the airport with him, he would jump, we would jump on the exact same uh, next plane back to LA. We would spend the weekend, three, four days uh, with me and my parents and hanging out, doing stuff. Then I would fly him back to Sacramento. She would pick him up and then I would fly back. So it was like, you know, four flights every, you know, 
two weekends or something. So it was kind of crazy. And then when he was like seven or eight, he could do it himself. So she would drop him off. He'd fly himself. I'd wait for him at the airport. So it got a little bit easier. And as he got older, he flew to New York and then I flew there. And then, you know, it, he and eventually he started coming to Paris sometimes or wherever I was, you know. And uh, so we always were very close. Um, but that was one of those moments where it was felt almost impossible to move away from him because I was so scared that I would lose the contact because I know I had to concentrate so much and I would be crazy busy. But somehow I worked it out, but I made the decision anyway, and it was great that I went. I was in the Met program, uh, Metropolitan Opera, uh, Young Artist Program for two years. And that was, let's say, the hardest part of you know not seeing him because I was stuck. Once I started freelancing, I could, you know, be more flexible in a way, you know, so, but so yeah. that time you didn't think, oh my goodness, this traveling, I'm just going to have to stop. Well, I just, no, I I'd never thought that I would stop, but it was a decision because I said, if I don't do this, I don't know how I'm going to be able to keep up with taking care of my son, even though he doesn't live with me all the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe some man genes kicked in. And I said, I need to provide for my son. I don't know what it was, but my father was a, a provider he worked his ass off his whole life um i i just it was part of my of, of my psyche so yeah, like a rational decision that if you threw in your career yeah you you would yeah i don't know i end we, up we already established it wasn't much of an alternative career. yeah i mean i guess my father could have got me a job at ralph's you know but uh, yeah, no, there was no sure. chance you know yeah. even he would but, have but, said but, no but a, lot of, a lot of great artists are incredibly focused on their own career yeah it is and, a bit selfish at times yeah, I mean, for sure and, they, and that's often, you know, family often suffers yes. because of that. I'm not saying that's your no, experience. Oh, oh I mean, it is you know, my experience. Like, it okay. is. Yeah, but it, it is. It sounds like you did this incredible commute. I'm now feeling pathetic for complaining about driving my son to Ramsgate <laughs> once every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's about 60 miles. <laughs> I tell you, I do it now, too. I've been in London now for this uh, production for, I guess we've been about five weeks, I would say, yeah. in total. And I've flown to Berlin five times. Uh, you know, sometimes for like a day and a half and then fly right back um, just because uh, I feel like just the normalness of, you know, having some connection on a weekend or whatever. Of course, I call them two, three times a day. But uh, what, what's your yeah. connection with Berlin? then? Uh, yeah, I uh, um, it was one of the first places I started singing when I start when I started singing in Europe. So I had a connection there. I sang there almost every year since 2003. So, um, and uh, actually, uh, I, I bought an apartment there uh, 16 years ago. Never lived there until three years ago. Uh, so I kind of used it as a dropping off uh, point and changing uh, clothes and um, baggage because um, I was started to sing in Europe so much. I would say for the last 15 years, my career has been 95% in Europe. So, And I prefer it that way, actually. Much easier to get around. So, But at first, when everyone was still in California, it was impossible to get home. So eventually I said, no, it's it's enough. And, Where are and the great opera houses in, in America then? I would say New York, you know, the Metropolitan Opera, Chicago... San Francisco, and then okay. let's say so, yeah, yeah, those are really only three big ones. A lot yeah, of space between some of that. Yes, yeah. let's see. Yeah, it's too it's too far. I sing in America maybe once a year. Whereas Europe, you live more than an hour away by yeah, plane. Exactly. Opera house, yeah, right? in Berlin there are three opera houses. <laughs> it just in Berlin. Here you have two. You know, I mean, it's it's incredible, really. You know, so uh, I, I prefer living in Europe, and it's anyway, it's my roots anyway. So I feel totally normal here. How would you describe the difference in the opera world between? Transatlantically, is there, is there anything? Yeah, about I, it? I, I, either about 
the style or your involvement or mm. the appreciation by the public? Is there anything? Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, I, th I would say there's a lot of differences. I would say the main thing would be that, you know, there's there's quite a bit more tradition in most places in Europe. You know what I mean? Of course, in New York, they've been going since the early 1900s. Uh, Caruso used to sing at the Metropolitan Opera, the old Met, before they, they destroyed that and have the new Met. But, you know, all the most famous opera singers in history have been in New York at the Met, of course. So there's a big tradition. Also Chicago, uh, San Francisco also, but uh, let's say New York and Chicago the most. Uh, so there is a tradition. But, I mean, in Europe, it's the big tradition from even further back, and uh, it's just more common. You know, it's not so strange. Although in America, they do a good job of getting younger people there uh, to the opera. You know, they have uh, special tickets like they do here. But, uh, uh, you know, I would say it's the tradition and, um, let's say, cultural cult culture in general is just a bit more normal here. You know, it's it's just obvious. It's uh, more obvious. The, um, the audience dress at the the opera in San Francisco, are they in shorts and t-shirts? Well, there are some, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny, you get everything, like in New York, you'll get people dressed perfectly, like, wow, fantastic, and then some people totally chill, yes, yeah, you'll yeah. get everything, which in a way I kind of appreciate, I think anyone should be able to go, but of course, when I go to the opera, I always at least wear a jacket, maybe no tie, but you know, I'll wear a jacket, I mean, it feels good to do that, it's fun. Yeah, especially when the buildings are so amazing. Yeah, exactly, don't yeah. Want to think, like, oh, I don't <laughs> want to sit down, I don't feel clean enough. Yeah, exactly, I mean, I mean, when people come in shorts and chill, I say, hey, better they're here than not, you know, yeah. so it's all right. But, of course, you know, it's a bit of an, an of a event, so I like when people dress up, but yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to touch back because you said if you needed, like you said, if you had to stop working yeah. and yeah. to get a job, you yeah. start your dad, but he would, you said he would probably would have said no. Yeah. So I, he wasn't giving you the option to yeah. fail that your career or providing... Yeah, I think I th I think he he saw in me after after he saw me do some things he thought I I saw him he said no no you keep going you're doing great son I'm always you know um, thinking about you and sending you good energy I'm praying for you and all this stuff and uh, you know that's that's his style you know of of his nature and um, I think he would have said to me no 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 you you can't do that you don't want to do what I'm doing you want to do what you're doing it's much better you know I mean he had shoulder problems and his surgery on his shoulder and he said no 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 you don't want to do that you have a talent you need to do it you know so he couldn't provide me much financial um uh support but actually in the big picture i'm really happy about that because i figured everything out on my own you know he would help me with a you know 30 bucks he said here's some gas money when i was going to college but it, sounds it like helped his high principles influenced you the, the pr being a provider being yes. a hard worker yes his work good. ethic was yeah. uh, insane I think, I think you know you you've certainly that up. Oh yeah, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Now actually, I, I thought I took it to the extreme sometimes because when we were talking about when it uh, when you it sacrifices and hurts family sometimes, I would say my career and many points did that. And even right now, going through a big, you know, a lot of dramatic issues in my family and life and everything, it's you know a lot to do with career because this career is so demanding you know um it's one thing to have to concentrate and to keep yourself healthy and all that thing you know you're thinking about yourself a lot you know your voice what are you studying da 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 but at the same time literally physically being gone a lot is really hard on families you know so that's a hard part sarah's uh, always telling me about the sacrifices that were made mm -hmm. um, you know, when she was growing up yeah. with, the, with the west african influence but it's a lot of blood on the floor in the kitchen oh, for all sure. the sacrifices <laughs> 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 but it worked right you're on the stage <laughs> um, so charles were, were there any moments 
you know, where you took a leap forward because of something, or yeah. or did you did you find yourself in the wrong place yeah. um, and have to back out? Well, I'm trying to get a sense of how you've managed your career. I'm sure it's not been a linear, perfect, you know, yes. stick type thing. Yeah, well, I I would say there's a there's several um, of those moments, you know, where I just the last one kind of worked even when I took the risk. So I thought, do it again do it again, not knowing what the outcome would be. That first one, of course, was uh, moving to New York, even though my son was home and I was in a pretty steady job, but singing small roles in LA. Then I moved to New York and I thought, I've already sung some things on stage. Why would I go to a young artist program? But I thought I need some more time to stew and get a little better. But it was a three-year program and I stayed two years and I said, I said, I'm leaving after two. I said, I'm not staying here because I need to get out there and I, you will never learn your craft unless you're on stage, especially if you're getting paid. It changes the psychology of it. It's one thing if you're doing something, you know, uh, whatever, in university or even in a young artist program, you know. But when you're really getting paid, it changes your mind. You think, I have a responsibility here. And, you know, that you're, you're yeah, you have to deliver. Right. <laughs> exactly. So I left the program knowing that they would be mad. They actually told me, you know. I might not sing at the Met again if I go out and leave early and uh, don't do as well as I guess they assume. So, But I took the risk anyway because I said, no, I'm going to do it. And I had switched managers. I had a manager before I went into the program. I kept her, but she said, it's okay, stay two years there and get better. And she happened to be good friends with the, um, sorry for the details, but she happened to be good friends with the casting director of the Metropolitan Opera. So during that time, two years I was in the Met, I told everyone, and I told her, and I even told the Met, I said, listen, I'm only staying two years. I got to get out there and start my career for real. And I was doing, I mean, two auditions a week for two years, you know, and I got a lot of good feedback. And they said, okay, great, we can offer you this, we can offer you that, you know, in the next two or three years after I was done. And I kept asking my manager, I said, so what happened with, uh, you know, this place and that place I sang for them? And she said, oh, well, you know, they liked you. And I, I thought, you know, I'm only staying two years. So where is the work? I need to have work after I, you know, I won't get a, I won't be getting paid. You know, it's freelance stuff. And she said, oh, it'll come, it'll come. And then I started to realize that she wanted me to stay a year, an extra year also. I, she didn't do it in a malicious way, but in her opinion, it was better if I stayed. And so again, but they didn't at the time. Yes, you know, it felt yeah. like uh, you know. I have a good friend who's exactly like that. Uh, he's from Chile, and uh, he's such a great musician. He said, but he used to just cry because his mom said, "Sit there and practice the piano," and he wanted to play soccer with his friends and all that stuff, play some football, and and uh, he was just all the time. Oh, he's like crying, playing. But now. The attention he gets, you know, he gets on the piano and he's got a voice as a singer and a, and a pianist. And like people are just like, you know, just this like, you're just like, oh, my God. And of course, now he's enjoying it. But he's like, thanks, mom. But at the time, he said he was just crying, you know, so I guess it's one of those things. <laughs> yeah. And then so then you've gone on opera star, but then you've got this. What's going to happen when you're what's the retirement age yeah. where what happens after? Yeah, it's funny because. um I thought about, you know, there are, there 
is no kind of real retirement plan for an opera singer, for example. So I've been, uh, thank goodness for my stepmom, she's uh, much better at this stuff than I am. But she told me when I was about, I guess, 26, she said, you better put some money away every month because you don't have a retirement plan. You you know, it's not the same. Like my father, of course, they took money from his check every week and, you know, he has retirement, he has social security. Now, I might have something in America from when I worked for a little while when I was there, but mostly no. Uh, it, I live in Germany now. There will be something there too, but you know I haven't been paying into it for you know 40 years. So I've been doing it since about 26 every month, putting stuff away. You know, and I have my life insurance stuff for my for my kids and everything. Uh, so I'm doing. I mean, as far as a technical point of view, that's what I'm doing for that. But myself. I think there's no way I can't be, let's say, somewhat in the business after. So, well, my I'm just thinking you had a great actor review. Would that be yeah. <laughs> an avenue for you to well, go who down? Who knows? You know, I think uh, I, I'm lucky in in certain ways uh, for a man. I've taken care of my voice, so I hope that I'll sing for quite a while longer. Also, um, uh, in a in this sense, uh, men are luckier in the opera world. There are more roles that um, that fit different ages, for example. So, okay, maybe in a few years I won't play Romeo anymore because it's just going to be ridiculous. I mean, even though I'm basically fit, but still. On stage, you know, you can lose some years, of course, with makeup and how you do it. But let's just say, okay, I don't want to play Romeo anymore, but I can play more heroic roles that are okay for a 50-year-old guy. Well, I'm not 50 yet, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. In that sense, it works well. And if the voice is in condition and getting stronger with age, I don't don't think I hit my prime vocally until I was about 40. So 40s for a tenor starts to be like, oh, okay, something's happening here. You know, I was good before, but now I think, oh, I have way more strength, stamina. Um, I know how to deal with things much better. So if everything goes well, I still have longer to go. But in the big picture, I always thought it would be interesting of course, to teach, because when I was younger, I would ask every uh, singer who would come who was professional uh, for advice. Can you listen to me and everything? And I get that sometimes now with younger singers. But I think if we don't pass that stuff on to another generation, you miss some of the real stuff. It's one thing. OK, support your voice. Think of this bright, uh, dark. I don't know, whatever. Teachers can do that. But from another singer who's had a real serious career, those are things that uh, a normal teacher wouldn't be able to give. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't want to keep that to myself. I would like to pass that on to other because I got some here and there yeah. and I really appreciated that. So I want to do the same thing. But in an artistic way, I would say that I would love to direct one day because I have so many ideas. I've been in so many productions from traditional to insanely modern crazy stuff. And since that time, I've picked up a lot of things. I thought, well, it would be interesting maybe to try you know, to, I don't know who will give me a, uh, a chance, but, you know, who knows? Let's see. Uh, I'm not ready for it now, but I, I, I would like to do that later. Maybe you could start with a local amateur right. group. That would be great. I would love that. Some uh, yeah. some small theater, I would totally do it. It would be great. I would love that. I, I, w I would have a lot of in input for that kind of thing, yeah. Well, anyone out there who heard that? Yes. <laughs> I'm ready, Please yeah. Don't approach him direct. Come through us. <laughs> exactly. 10%. <laughs> I was going to be kind and just say like five. <laughs> okay, 5%. That's good. That's good. <laughs>
the fees will start out lower. You know, yeah. so my singing fee will be up here and my directing fee will be lower at first, but it's okay. You've had the same manager. Is, is yes. manager like agent? Is that is it the same yeah, thing? Yeah, I, I call uh, him my manager because uh, I find him to be um, unique in the, let's say, agent world because uh, agent, I feel like, you know, will book you in things. But a manager, I think, is someone who thinks about the whole arc of your career, yeah. you know. But to do that, they have to have huge amount of knowledge, a huge amount of knowledge. So he is one of those guys, <laughs> Alan Green. Uh, he's based in New York, but he's like constantly traveling. He he was just uh, here. He a one recently. man band, or is yeah, he part he, of? Um... He's a one man band. Uh, it was him and um, and his uh, uh, team partner Bruce, who unfortunately died uh, several years ago. But they worked as a team since they were young. They used to work at a big agency, and then they broke off into their own uh, for many years now. But uh, unfortunately, Bruce died. But Alan has kept it going, and the the kind of knowledge and experience that he has after doing it for so many years is invaluable. I mean, you know, you can't just get that after two years of being in the job. Not to mention he is a huge opera geek. So, you know, he'll know strange opera, French operas that haven't been done in years, and he'll, like, literally know all the characters and, and the music, and, oh, there's one duet here that you have to sing, and, you know, whatever. I mean, it's incredible. It's insane. So this is a guy who knows the arc of a career and if you're a tenor and he knows my voice he he says you're going to sing um Forza del Destino one day it's a you know let's say more dramatic Verdi opera not now he says but you're going to do it you'll see trust me in in some years you're going to do that that's a a goal will reach you know and and it's that kind of thought that's why we've been going slow and steady and it's been getting better so his name's Alan Green yes his name's do you Alan think Green either him finding you or you're finding your way to him i don't know which way it worked was was a critical piece of the jigsaw in yes. terms of all the things we've just been hearing about. Yes, it's huge. We went, that time I told you when I was in the Young Artist Program, I was doing a lot of auditions. And in New York, one of the main places that everyone would go to audition at is a place called Cami Hall, which is Columbia Artists at the time. And that's where they worked, Bruce and Alan. And I wasn't working with them, but I would show up there a lot, uh, all the singers. And because everyone who was coming through to audition, all the young singers uh, from wherever, Italy, France, wherever, they would come and rent Cami Hall. It was a perfect small place with a good acoustic, and they could do their auditions all day. So sometimes I would see them, either Bruce or Alan, because they would know the person who was doing the auditions from wherever, Paris or wherever. And one time I was doing an audition, and uh, Bruce happened to be there was someone from Italy I was auditioning for. And he, and he said, it was the first time he heard me, I guess. And he said, wow, bravo, you're so great. And, you know, are you working with someone? And I said, oh, I'm working with this person. And he said, okay, well, that's fantastic. He said, you know, if you ever need someone, we would be so happy to work with you. We think you have a great potential. Fine. And then a year goes by, and I think to myself, okay, I need to make this change. So I just called them, and I said, hey, do you remember me? Yes, of course. I said, would you, I'm thinking of changing. Would you be interested? Yes, come, come. Tell me when you're ready. We'll do it. And, uh, you know, they had a, a reputation for being very tough, and they had a lot of singers. And a lot of people said, well, they have so many tenors. Maybe you'll just, you know, get ignored. And I thought of it totally a different way. They had some tenors who were singing my repertoire, but they were much further along in their career. And they were, you know, more famous. And I thought to myself, but they can't do everything. They can't take every, uh, you know, offer. So when they call so and for so-and-so to do it, guess what they did? They said, you know, they're not available. But we have this young tenor who's really coming up. And, and I got all the leftovers at first, which nice. was perfect for ah. me. 
and I got on, then I started building my own reputation. Yeah. So for me, it so was a big and so good move. If for some reason you'd never made contact with them, you yeah. know, they weren't there that day or yeah. whatever, uh, how different might it have been for you? I guess I'm asking this question, yeah. Charles, because you know why. Yeah. Because this whole program is about yeah. things that make a big difference. Yes. So sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's hard work, combinations of all of the above. You know? Well, who's to say exactly what would have happened? But I know that my manager that I had at the beginning was much slower movement. And also, I mean, nothing uh, negative about this, but uh, more, um, well, let's say she didn't take as many risks and uh, was not as aggressive. So I think it would have been a much slower run and I would have probably showed up in Europe later. Your manager, manager wasn't taking risks. You know, we, we talk about risks and of yeah. course you want your manager to yes. promote you. Yes. And what does, what does it mean taking risks in that way? That she didn't want to put you in a position where it reflected badly on her. Well, because you were overreaching in some way. Yeah, Is perhaps. That... Or maybe she thought I couldn't handle something uh, earlier mm. than I could. I mean, like I said, there were sometimes, like with Alan, for example, he usually thinks I can do a role maybe two years before I think I can. And sometimes we meet in the middle. Sometimes I trust him and I do it. Sometimes I say, no, 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 I, I definitely need to wait. I can feel it. And he respects that. But. He, 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 we have been working in a way that uh, he said, take the risk. If you don't feel good about it, then you don't need to do the role again. Put it away for a while. And that's what we've done. You know, the first time I did uh, Edgardo in Lucia, I did it. He thought I should do it three years before. I said, no, 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 no. We found a good opportunity. I said, okay, I'll try it now. Did it. Thought, okay, it was pretty good, but it's not really, I don't feel that comfortable. We put it away for three years before I did it again. And then when I came back, it was much better. And then it was okay. Then it's been in the repertoire ever since. But so that's how we work. But he's, you know, he'll always ask me, of course, what do you think? He'll say, but I think you can do this. Sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't. And uh, and we've always respected each other in that way. So that kind of risk is, I think, calculated. And I think it's good. And do you, do you separately have a mentor of any description? Um you know, maybe he is the mentor. He, he's mostly my mentor because of his vast knowledge about it. But I've I never had like, for example, I met Placio Domingo many times, sang with him. He was always very kind to me, but he never took me under his wing. There's been a couple times uh, I've seen interviews where people really wanted me to say that, but it wasn't the case. He's been very kind. Uh, we sang together many times, but uh, I mean, nothing wrong but he just he never was taken under the wing it's it just didn't happen right. uh, that's yeah. his job yeah yeah Good i job. mean he has with some people but that's an individual thing you know um doesn't bother me you know i i'm in a way i'm happy i basically did it myself i don't have one person that really took me under his wing you know so besides my manager who's always kind of there just like you know supporting me and uh, all that stuff and uh, in a way, I'm happy about that because I've, I've had to deal with it myself, you know, ups and downs. I've had some times where I thought, oh, boy, I don't know if this is going to work out well. But then I just kept going and, you know, it's it's been OK. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Well, wow. I hope that was risky enough for you. I don't well, know. <laughs> I think I think, you, you know, your, your career has really been all about you making you know, driving them, your progress, making important decisions. Yeah breaking with things that, you know, even early. I, I remember in my in my career, you know, I'm, I, tr I qualified as a lawyer and everyone mm -hmm. said, yeah, you have to stay on now. Yeah. And I thought, no, I really don't like it. I don't like filling in timesheets. I can never do yeah. this. Oh, gosh, I yeah. went and changed and became a mergers and acquisitions person, which uh -huh. was 
fine, you know, no yes. timesheets, just charge them 3% at the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> like you. Right, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, you know, and you just have to have the confidence, don't you, yeah. in your own judgment yeah. about yourself, which yeah. nobody knows better than you. Yeah, and I and think the, if you trust the gut feeling, I mean, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you make a mistake. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, as long as you, you know, realize it and keep going, it's it okay. creative failure in your yeah. world? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's you, a good word. Did, I think it didn't work out, but you learned something from it. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think it be, can be applied to whatever you do. But uh, I think in this case, and it is true, though, in this business, I mean, it's not so nice, but they say you're you know, only as good as your last performance. So, okay, fine. So you, everyone has a bad performance sometimes, or it's not so great. But you know, if if the if you're normal, if your average is pretty decent, you work hard for that. You know, you eventually end up with a decent reputation, and you know, you keep yourself together. Sympathy yeah. from me. I'm only as good as my next deal. I'm yeah, always being told. There you go. Yeah, so there you go. You're only. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's um, always something to prove. Well, but uh, yeah. Charles, thank you. It's been incredibly interesting. Oh, thank you. And I think inspiring, actually. Oh, that's know, very kind. And I, I'm sure the audience we have them will take a lot of the lessons away from this. I think you've given lessons to parents. You know, look for those oh, skills. Oh gosh. <laughs> yes. You look, look for what they're interested in, but also you know for the individuals who who've got creative or any special interest you know to, to to go for it yeah and and um not necessarily to the you know exclusion of everything else sure but i mean you know to, to make sure a lot of people give advice that you have a kind of fallback you know yeah you can always become the dentist that you might otherwise have yeah. been but you, you know in a way because i think you you had no safety net yeah you had to be successful yeah. so i on that, purpose that, left myself without a safety net yeah <laughs> i think that's the I, I, I think that comes back to risk you know, yeah but, yeah, I, I th that's what I was starting to sort of see in your story that you really weren't, tr weren't wanting to have anything else to do, you know, no, and, and no, that no. that forced you to be successful, yeah. and make the right decisions about the career that you did choose to follow. Yeah. It, it has been an amazing discussion. I, I, Thank you. I enjoyed it enormously. Hopefully, oh, absolutely, for me too. You've learned anything new about yourself. Probably. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, so always. I'm always trying to figure out something new. Otherwise, you know, you you know, you go stale if you don't try to find the new stuff. Uh, that's uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So plan B, just give space for plan A to fall through. <laughs> exactly. Now, how do you fancy some, exactly. fancy some salt salt beef bagels from around the corner? Oh, that sounds so good. Brick Lane. Um, uh, that sounds amazing. With mustard and gherkins. That's what Ooh, we do after most Yeah, interviews. that sounds That's good. It. Let me retreat to Sarah's um, <laughs> club. <laughs> Meet them by the pool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I miss a good bagel, you know. I haven't. I don't get them that often anymore. So, yeah, that sounds great. I was born in Queens, so, you know. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully we'll be able to deliver a oh, great sure. bagel to Charles. So thank you once again. Thank you. Thanks Daniel. for inviting me. Thank you very much. It was great. Thank you. Right. Until next time. Bye for now. Don't miss future episodes of Look Mum, No Hands. Share and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a five-star review on Apple. If you are inspired to take that leap and join us on the show and share your experiences or have a friend who might, message us on Instagram at Look Mum, No Hands Podcast. This has been a Talks With My Neighbour Productions, produced and hosted by Sarah Sharman and Daniel Confino. Music by George Twydell, artwork by Jane Confino, and title voiceover by Joshua Sharman. <laughs>